Hello and welcome to the July 30th edition of the Daily Come On Now MMA podcast. I'm your host Trent Reinsmith and if you could please rate, review, and share the podcast. I would really appreciate that. It would help me out immensely. And on to what is probably going to be most of the podcast today uh, an interview that UFC President Dana White did with Brett Akimoto of ESPN and so fittingly the first subject that I want to discuss is White's fantastic attitude towards the media which he seems sometimes to forget that he is speaking to the media when he bashes the media. It's just mind-numbing sometimes the the thought process that White goes through during these interviews. Just, I don't get it. But anyway, here is Dana White bashing the media while speaking to the media. Do you feel a little vindicated, you know, especially when you think back on that, you know, those first Jacksonville cards when a lot of people were questioning whether or not you should have been doing it? Yeah, but when you say a lot of people, you're talking about the media. And you know what I think of the media. I, they're, they're, they're all uh, – I will never, ever do anything uh, with my business based off what the media thinks. Everything the media has ever said has been wrong since the day I bought this company with the Fertitas. Um, they've been wrong with everything they've said. They know nothing about this business. All of the media, none of them know anything about this business. They think they do and like they, act, they like to act like they do. They don't, they know nothing. And, and I will never, um, you know, run this business based off what anybody in the media says. When we sold for 4 billion, uh, you know, they overpaid and, uh, all, you know, right before we sold for 4 billion, the company was, you know, was going this way. And, you know, I, I've been hearing all this crap from the media for, for 20 years. It, it means nothing to me. They literally, everything they say and everything they do has zero impact on this business. Well, after that, that glowing compliment of myself, since I am a media member who covers the UFC, <laughs> I'll move on to my next question. What, so listen, what you listen, you guys, to be fair, you guys are fans. You're passionate about the sport. You love it and everything else. And you guys can say, you know, you can have your opinions on um, the, uh, you know, fights that are coming up and things like that and certain fighters and all this stuff. The business of MMA, none of you know anything. And Brett, it's just, it's just a fact. You guys know nothing about this business and nobody knows more about this business than I do. So we, we, we you know, you, these guys can try to, Assume, argue, do all this stuff. They know nothing. All right, let's start off with the questioning of the UFC on on Florida. The reason the media questioned the UFC going to Florida, Florida was because the promotion did not present a COVID protocol. It, so we heard about it. And we heard that there was one, but Dana White telling us that there was a, a protocol in place isn't enough. Because, let's face it, 
Dana White's a promoter, and a promoter is a fancy word for a liar because his job's to sell, and he will do so under under any circumstances, and he'll he'll look to stretch the truth to to sell his product. That's just what a promoter does. I'm not going to fault him for that. That's what he does. But when you say you have a protocol for a global pandemic and you don't produce it, yeah, the media is going to question that. Especially since you headed to Florida after you ran away from regulation and tried to stage an event in California on tribal land without the California State Athletic Commission overseeing it and you didn't shut that down until the governor called the heads of ESPN and Disney and said you know this this should probably be shut down because it's not safe so to to paint the media as the bad guy here no the media's concern is for the fighters and white will say the ufc's concern is for the fighters as well and that is somewhat true but the ufc's main concern as every other business's main concern is making money and with the ufc it's making money for a parent company that is in desperate desperate need of funding and that's the ufc's priority that's why the ufc is putting on fights during a global pandemic it's not to help the fighters. It's not to get the fighters work. That's, come on. Come on now. Don't, don't even think that that's true. No business is in business to get the, <laughs> to get the employees work. Uh, the, any business is in business to make money. And sure, that's, that's what capitalism is. But don't paint it as something else, which is what White tries to do sometimes and tried to do at the beginning of all this. And he even has some fighters buying into that bull. Um, but yeah, no. Um, so, and the fact that he tries to say that this, the media doesn't know anything about the business, the media knows a ton about the business. And it knows a lot more than it did a few years ago. And the reason it knows that is because of the antitrust lawsuits that are lawsuit that's going on and folks like Paul Gift, Jason Cruz and John Nash digging through those documents and and pulling out the uh, information that we all need to have to understand the UFC's business and we know that it's in the court documents white refuses to acknowledge that we know something about the business so he'll just he'll just beat this drum that we don't know anything about the business when these these court documents are floating around, and we have folks like uh, Gift, Cruz, and Nash digging through them and and getting that information out. We know a ton about the business. We know the revenue split. We know the pay. We know a lot more, like I said, than we did a few years ago. And we know the UFC is ripping off its fighters. And White's defense on that is what you hear here. You don't know anything about the business. We do. To say otherwise is, is just, it's just not true. And he'll deny that. And, I mean, you could probably even put these documents right in front of his face 
and he would deny that we know anything about the business because that's just what he does. And, um, yeah, acknowledge the fact that we know something. It might, it might, it might irk him, but we know it, we report on it, and that pisses him off, and that's why you get this, this kind of thing where, uh, I'm totally not mad at the media, which is what this is. This is mad? I'm not mad. Come on now. This next section is about fighter health and safety, and it's kind of funny, but it's also kind of sad at the same time, and kind of ridiculous as well. It's just a mishmash of weirdness, but here it is. One of the 20 years, I've been doing this 20 years, there's never been a death or serious injury. You, you realize we don't get the credit we deserve for that on top of many, many other things that we don't get credit for. You know why? Because we spend the money to make sure that these people are healthy before they go in and fight. They're healthy during the fight. After the fight, they get the best medical attention they can get. To, <laughs> I have to laugh at this a little bit. To brag that you haven't had a serious injury or a death in 20 years is kind of ridiculous. No sport is supposed to have a death or a serious injury. This isn't rollerball. These things are sanctioned by the, by the athletic commissions and overseen by the government. There should not be a death in the UFC. This, is, this reminds me of the Chris Rock thing where he said, you know, you take care of your kids. Well, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to prevent deaths. That's why there's referees. That's why there's rules and regulations and oversight. To brag that there, wasn't, that there hasn't been a death, it's silly. But here's where we, that's where we are. And the other thing that I'd like to point out is that the UFC spends the money for the oversight, for the health and safety of the fighters because it is required to do so by the athletic commissions. And it spends as much money with each commission as it is required to and nothing less. And I'm sorry, and nothing more. So it spends a lot more in California than it does in New Mexico. It spends a lot more in Las Vegas than it does in Florida. And that's because California and Las Vegas and New Jersey and Ohio have stricter health and safety rules for the fighters than those other places. So the UFC spends just what it needs. If it wanted to spend what it should, it should spend as much as it does for every California event because California has the most robust pre-fight and post-fight requirements of, 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 the, of the athletic commissions. It doesn't do that. It spends what it needs to spend by specific commission. So don't brag about health and safety when the health and safety differs from athletic commission to athletic commission. And go on to Bloody Elbow and read Corey Anderson's story about how he didn't get the correct care after his fight in New Mexico and, and see what it cost him. Read Paige Van Zant saying that her health insurance 
for from the UFC expires at the end of a year after she has filed her first claim for her broken arm and she needs another surgery and has to pay out of pocket because that claim is over a year old and the and the insurance only lasts for a year. So don't again this is something that White thinks we don't know. We know this because fighters talk about it. The health and safety is not terrible, but it's not set up by the UFC and it's not regulated by the UFC. It's regulated by the athletic commissions. And even when it goes out out of country and is in a self-regulated area, the UFC does what the Nevada Athletic Commission requires. Because that's what it should do. So don't brag about what you should do. Brag about what you do above and beyond. And that's, that's really, there's nothing there. Because if there was, these fighters would have year-round health insurance and not just injury insurance for training camp, which is what they have with a high deductible per injury. So it's easy to disprove these things if you just dig a little below the surface. But not enough people do that. And, that, and, and the people that do, those are the people that find themselves on the outside looking in with no access to the UFC, no questions answered, and then they get badmouthed by the UFC, and that trickles down to the fighters, and then access is hard to come by, and that's why you see so many media members playing the game with the UFC, and so few standing up and pushing back against the UFC's narratives that are often false narratives, such as this story on health and safety that that White is rolling out here to Akamoto. Before I head to the next subject, I'd be remiss if I didn't add this, something I thought about earlier today. 20 years, there's not been a death or serious injury. And this is the part that's not a laughing matter because I, I foresee this happening. 20 years, there hasn't been a death or a serious injury. But you could have said the same thing about well, not the same thing because there has been deaths in the NFL. But you could say the same thing about other sports. They're, they're not deaths or serious injuries. But we have a lot of NFL players who are, are in other sports, um, retired players who are committing suicide. Um, and they're tracing the mood changes and... Uh, the mental changes back to CTE and you have all these athletes who are donating their brains to science after they die and and you're finding that the majority of those who people have seen a a change in their their moods a change in their demeanor a change in in their just a big change in them themselves a lot of it is tied to CTE and that's why you have these folks when if when they if they do kill themselves and they have the awareness of that they want their brains studied after their after their deaths they are they're killing themselves in ways that preserve their brain they'll have them shooting themselves in the chest and things like that and that's sad and and that dis- that's disturbing and so let's hold off a few more years 
before we start claiming the UFC is uh, doesn't have any deaths or serious injuries because if we if we look at how this is all played out in other sports with a lot of um, head contact and, and brain injuries the future doesn't look so bright on that on that claim now does it uh, this next section is white speaking about a third fight possibly in a row uh, between Alexander Volkanovsky and Max Holloway and come on now how about uh, Max Holloway you know you you've had a little bit of time now you know after the fight against Alex Volkanovsky you said that there was some bad judging there and you you felt bad for him because you know now what does he go from here well where does he go from here where do you think what well, here's you think? the thing Calvin Cater just fought yeah your Rodriguez has a fight coming up Zombie has a fight coming up, Ortega and Zabit. All of these guys are going to fight in the next couple of months here. So uh, we'll see how that all plays out. It's hard. It's hard to not say we can give Max a rematch for that fight again, do it a third time. Um, And I think a lot of the fans in the media would agree with that. So I don't know for sure. I'm sure Volkanovsky doesn't love that idea, you know. He's like, listen, I just beat this guy twice, you know? And, and if you're Volkanovsky, you're like, guess what? The media aren't judges. Dana White's not a judge. None of these people are judges. The people who, that, that, are, that are assigned to judge the fight said I won twice, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you're Volkanovsky, I get it. Um, and if you're Volkanovsky, you probably want to take a look at a different guy, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. And we haven't, I haven't really talked to Volkanovsky about it. Mm-hmm. Um, something I definitely need to do. And uh, we'll see how this thing, this, this thing plays out. Of course, Volkanovsky doesn't want to fight Max Holloway for a third time. Why would he? He beat him twice. It's time to fight someone new. And if the UFC messed up the scheduling to not have a top tier challenger in in available well that's not Volkanovsky's problem or fault you don't just throw Max Holloway in there because you screwed up how you how you booked your fights change one of them that that's been done before move some things around that's been done before this all looks like the UFC doesn't want Volkanovski to be champion. And that's something he's even said. He's like, how many times are we going to run this back? And it seems like the UFC wants Holloway to win. Yeah, that's how it does seem like. That's not a stretch when you get back-to-back-to-back title fights and you've already lost the first two. It makes no sense. And to say that the fans and media wouldn't argue that, I'm arguing it right now. Other people have argued it. It's, it, it's nonsensical. And it seems like the UFC wants Holloway to, to get the belt back. And if that's not the case, then give Volkanovski someone else to fight. I don't understand that. I don't understand the thinking here. And, and I think Volkanovski has every right to suspect what he does about the, how the UFC is doing business with him. 
he shouldn't be tasked with beating Holloway three times before he's considered the champion by anyone. He beat him twice. That's good enough. And who cares? Like Dana White says, who cares what Dana White thinks about the judging in those fights? The judges decided that Volkanovski won. He won. If you don't like the judging, fix the judging. UFC has power to, the power to do that. It's not doing that, which is something I wrote about today on Bloody Elbow, um, that the UFC needs to address its judging and refereeing, and the athletic commissions need to do so as well because it's broken, and the only way to improve it, improve it is to address it. And if you're not addressing it, these officials think they're doing a fine job, even if they aren't. Because if you don't review them and give them uh, some feedback, of course they're going to think they're doing a fine job because no one's told them they're not. Uh, so, Volkanovsky, there's no way he should fight Holloway for a third time, at least not right now. It's, it's just dumb. It's... Time the UFC named a uh, number one bantamweight contender. And there is one, but Dana White's not telling us who it is. There's one more division I wanted to look at, and that's uh, that's bantamweight. Piotr Jan defeating Jose Aldo. Looked good doing it, I thought. Um, you haven't really committed to a number one contender in bantamweight. Do you know who your number one contender is at 135 pounds? I do. I do know who it is. Still not going to commit to it, though, publicly. You don't want to share it. How come? You're holding everything close to the vest today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, timing right now. Everything's about, about timing right now. And, and, you know, with this COVID, with this COVID thing, who knows what's going to happen next. So I'm just, when, when the t I told you, I'm going day by day. I don't know what the holdup is here. There is a guy that's ready to fight Peter Jan. He's been asking to fight Jan. He's healthy. He can step in. All you got to do is give him a date. He's earned the shot. And that man is Aljamain Sterling. And I don't know why White refuses, just absolutely refuses to name Sterling as the number one contender. He's dragging this out for some reason. Is it tied to the time Sterling wanted to test free agency and earn what he's was what he's worth maybe and if that's the case that's that's some petty bullshit and maybe that's the message that white's trying to send here you sign you resign with us without trying to get what you deserve or you don't get a title shot is that the message because that's a pretty crappy message. Sterling, need, Sterling needs to be the next uh, Bantamweight title challenger. If, if he's not, the UFC's worse than we, we thought it was. And that's pretty bad. This next one, Akimoto, uh, excuse me, Akimoto asks White if Habib Nurmagomedov came up to him and asked him, if George St. Pierre could be his last fight in the UFC, what would White do? Would he agree to that? And I want you to listen to this, pay attention to really listen to what White has to say because it, it, 
is bothersome. If he were to win that and he were to come, come to you and say, I want the final fight of my career to be against George St. Pierre, would you entertain that? Sure. You would. Yeah, I mean, it's the last fight of his career. The guy's been great. He's been great to the company. He's been great for the sport. And, uh, yeah, I, I like Habib a lot. I, 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 would, uh, I would do anything Habib wanted to do. What bothers me about this is the addition, the answer should just be yeah. If he wanted to fight St. Pierre in his last fight, he's probably earned that. If he wins his next fight, he'll be 29-0. and um, Been a good champ. Ran through all comers. But instead, the reason that White says is, is because he's been good to the company, been great to the company. What does that mean? And why is that? Why, why say that? Is, that? is that what fighters have to do to get something they want out of, out of the UFC? Play the UFC's game? Be nice to the UFC? Be great to the company? That's not how sports works. There should be a back and forth. That's not how, and the UFC, the UFC doesn't have a back and forth. The UFC has a one way, and it goes right into the UFC's pocket, and that's the 80-20 revenue split. And, and Nurmagomedov being great to the company, does that mean he's taken less money than he should have? Does that mean his manager's a, a bad negotiator? His manager who's written... Uh, written something pro UFC for the antitrust lawsuit who has been called easy to work with because he doesn't take deals and try and up the prices of his fighters uh, for other promotions is that what it means being nice to the company has nothing to do with getting with putting together a fight that will make everyone a ton of money Nurmagomedov would make a lot of money. St. Pierre, Pierre would make a lot of money. And the UFC would make the most money. And that's prize fighting. Except the UFC shouldn't make most money. The fighters should make the most money. But that's prize fighting in the UFC, I should say. Earlier today, Brian Kelleher uh, announced that he was taking a fight on short notice. 11 days. And he said, you know, the reason that he's taking it is fighters fight. And I understand that. And I responded by writing on Twitter by writing, ah, the UFC where the expectation is fighters will compete for less than their worth with little to no preparation. The fighters fight attitude enables the UFC. The real wording should be fighters fight or they starve. Which, and then Kelleher answered me and said, you know, I forget what it was, but it was more or less should he not take the fight because he's, you know, he has to feed his family and all that. And this was not a, a bashing or saying that Kelleher should not take the fight. It was it, not at all. It was a criticism of how the UFC does business and how a fighter like Kelleher has no choice but to take this fight because if he doesn't, one, he doesn't get paid. Two, his contract gets extended because he refused a fight. And then three, he might get a uh, 
move to the back of the list on fighters to call by the UFC. He's in a no-win situation, as are 99.9% of the fighters on the UFC roster. And that's how the UFC gets them to accept these fights. There's unstated repercussions if they... Well, there's stated repercussions in the contracts if they refuse the fights, and there's unstated repercussions uh, with the promotion as well. So by no means do I think these fighters... Well, I do think the fighters shouldn't take the fights, but that's unrealistic because if if they don't, someone else will, and, and why, why cut your earning power... Uh, because of that but the re- the real situation is this is how the UFC keeps wages low keeps keeps fighters quite literally sometimes hungry and poor and it's it's a bad deal for the fighters and it's a great deal for the UFC and that's why they have so much luck on short notice fights because these fighters need the money so bad that they will accept the fight on a few days notice just to get a paycheck it's horrendous it's wrong and there's really no way to stop it unless there's a sea change among the UFC fighters unless there's some kind of language built into the contracts that says if you fight on X days notice you get X more money but who's going to force that? Because if, say, if Kelleher wants more money, ask for more money, the UFC is just going to move to the next name on the down the call list until they get somebody that will take the fight for what is the next step on their contract. And if they go all the way down the list and don't find anybody, well, then it's even better for the UFC because they can pay somebody 12000 and 12000 to come in and fight their first fight in the UFC it's a lose-lose for the fighters it's a win-win win-win all-day win for the UFC it's ugly and it's a big part of the business and I wish there was a way to change it and and I and I hope people never misunderstand that my number one priority by pointing these things out isn't to shame a fighter isn't to say the fighter shouldn't do this because I side with the fighters almost 100% of the time. I, I don't recall a, a moment when I haven't sided with the fighters. I might have a difference of opinion on how to get things done and how to achieve goals. But I want what's best for the fighters. I can't say the same for the UFC. And I will, I will always trying and make changes that help the fighters because they are the product they are what people are paying to see they are the ones taking the damage and they are the ones earning uh, the the small amount of money the UFC deems to, to to give them it's so it's a violent business and it's an ugly business and I just wish the fighters would be taken care of a lot more than they are um so to end it on that kind of downer note, um, that's it. And uh, please, like I said, uh, review, share, sign up for the Patreon. Um, 
help me out any way you can. I appreciate it. And until tomorrow, stay safe.